I say that my daughter makes fun of me. She's like, why do you have to sing that little jig? That little jingle, my little jingle. But anyway, back to the story. Here we are today is April 17th, 2018. And actually, I'm going to interview today my husband. Say hi, JF. Hi. Thanks for coming on. You're welcome. So today's topic, you know what I want to talk about? I do know what you want to talk about. So tell us. Well, you tell us. No, you tell us. <laughs> you want to talk about uh, being a sober parent of kids who, who party. Well, and it's not only kids who party. I wanted to just talk about the feelings that come about when you are in recovery, which we both are. And if you're listening, um, JF and I are both are in long-term recovery, meaning that I haven't had a drink in almost 12 years and my husband almost hasn't had a drink in almost 20 years. And so we've, we're on a little adventure visiting our children in colleges. And our first stop was to visit our my oldest, who is 21 and goes to college in North Carolina. And he is in a fraternity and plays on the lacrosse team, is a junior in college, and um, is having fun, that's for sure. Would you agree? Uh, yeah. Absolutely. So we went, and I didn't have any preconceived notions or anything. Did you? I'm not sure what you mean by by that. Like, did you have any, like, oh, my gosh, this is going to, like, thoughts of what it was. Did you have expectations of how you thought it was going to be when you got to his school with the partying? And we also brought along my 18-year-old, who was a senior in high school, who was accepted to the same school. So, I mean, I guess I went with no expectations. Did you? No, I'm not, still not even sure what you're talking about. Like expectations as to how the parting was going to be. Like, were you... Uh, no, I don't think about stuff like that. See, he's a guy. I'm a girl. So I was thinking... I guess I kind of thought, well, is it going to be too much? Am I going to be... Am I going to want to have a curfew on them? Is it going to make me feel upset that they're partying so much? And... So I didn't have any preconceived notions or um, expectations, I guess, except for how was how you were going to handle it, actually, because I didn't know if it was going to be too much for you to see all of it. So anyway, long story short, we get to where he goes to school. And, you know, the first night, did he? I can't even remember what we did the first night. I'm trying to get to that place. Do you remember? Well, the first night we drove down there and we got caught in traffic and he had a uh, lacrosse game and we were trying to figure out how we were going to have dinner and see the lacrosse game. And so we kind of packed it all in. The lacrosse game was from seven to nine. And, uh, you know, the boys went out after the lacrosse game and we didn't. That's so we had... So he went, you know, they went out. I said, um, my youngest was staying with my oldest and I knew that there was going to be drinking. And so we went on our way. We went to bed. I did keep my cell phone on. So if there was anything to come up, but nothing came up that night. But you keep your truth be told, you keep your cell phone on all the time anyway. I do because I am a, I am a worry wart. And so if anything did happen, I would want to be there. That's my, the way that I handle my kids. But how do you handle your kids in that situation? I don't sleep with a uh, cell phone 
I have told everybody that knows me that I'm I'm not a uh, I'm not a doctor and I'm not a lawyer, so I can't help you if you get in trouble in the middle of the night. <laughs> That's his boundary. I don't have that boundary. And so anyway, that night they they were, I guess, okay. We had no, we had no idea until after the fact what they had been up to, but. So then we Saturday morning we got up and um, went out with the boys. I could tell that they were definitely moving slowly. Could you? Um, yeah, I suppose. I really. I mean, it doesn't matter to me. So we had breakfast and uh, they did what they were going to do for the day, and we went out and enjoyed our day. And it was a lovely day. We had a great time. We went on an adventure, but the boys had a huge party at my son's fraternity house with a slide and with this social media stuff. You know, they had put it out to the universe that anybody was invited, I'd seem like. It was something Palooza and, you know, it made it to this, you know, some site where over, how many people had looked at it? 20,000 people had looked at this site, whatever. It's Well, I was, of course, listening. So it was a big drink fest. And they had, um, they were all in the backyard and they had five kegs and jello shots and yada, yada, yada. Well, we ended up having to go pick them up at this event because we had a dinner reservation and we pull up and we're in our car and we're sitting in the car and I'm looking at JF and JF's looking at me. Now my whole thought is, oh my gosh, JF's not going to be able to handle this. He doesn't like being around drinking. He doesn't like being around partying. Oh my gosh, this is my insecurities, by the way, going through my head and my pre, you know, my expectations and my judgment, all of that is all on me. But those are my thoughts going through my head and we pull up and I'm like, oh my gosh, there's like a tarp that you can't even see in the backyard because that's where the party was going on. And I'm just thinking, oh my gosh, this is going to be too much for him. How is he going to be able to handle this? This is going to be crazy. So I looked at him and I said, all right, well, should I guess I should go in. And what did you say? I said, no, I'll go. And so what ended up happening is we both went. Right. Because what were you thinking? What was I thinking? I wanted to see what was behind the tarp. <laughs> <laughs> and we found out what was behind the tarp. They were having fun, that was for sure. Mm-hmm. Lots of bikinis, lots of glitter, lots of very buzzed people, would you say? Um, I, yeah, I guess. I don't know. I just, I wasn't really thinking about that. It looked like, you know, the, the music was loud. They had a giant, like one of those big inflatable, you know, three-story high slide things, whatever they were called in the backyard, and that looked like fun. And, uh, you know, it looked like, uh, they're having a good time. I was thinking, gosh, um, it's amazing how you get a little more sophisticated after college and you really don't want to wallow in mud in the backyard. (laughs) So it's good to enjoy it while you can being a kid back then. It looked like a blast. And if I was, you know, if I, if, if I was in college, I would, which I'm not, I'm much older than that, but you know, I would have loved to be at something like that. It looked like a ball. It looked like a ball and nobody really got hurt, which was the key, right? I guess. I don't know. I I only worry about, I mean, I don't really worry much, but I'm certainly not concerned about any kids other than my own. And so none of our kids got hurt. I wasn't expecting them to get hurt. So I have to say, so being dangerous, what it didn't look dangerous. No, and being in long-term recovery, I guess the tools we have now is that we could be in an environment like that. 
I don't know if I would send somebody with 90 days or less than that, or even maybe less than a year into something like that. What would you say? You probably wouldn't. No, no. But I have to say going in there, what I took away from it for one is that, you know, we can be around it and we don't have to really celebrate that, but we can also be there without any judgment and be happy for our kids that they're out there doing what other kids do. And if they do have a problem, they know what to do, which is to reach out to us. Do you agree? Absolutely. Yeah. And that's the key is to be able to reach out to us and um, know that they don't have to be ashamed to ask us for help. The other thing that I found to be interesting, so we went to dinner with my son, a friend of his, and or my other son, and um, JF and myself, and we were talking about the weekend prior that the boys had had, which was a you know father-son thing that they had at the fraternity, and they were talking about one of the fathers that actually was getting as drunk as the kids, and that made me feel really badly. What about you? I mean, it made me feel badly for the kid. I made me feel badly for the dad. And what did it make you feel like, Jeff? Um, didn't it, I was just listening to a story. I got to be honest with you. I mean, um, you know, I, I guess it's, you know, it sounds like the guy has a drinking problem. I don't know what else to tell you. Yeah. You don't tend to feel sorry for people that have a drinking problem, do you? Well, no, I, should, I don't feel sorry for me and I have a drinking problem. So why should I feel sorry for them? You know? And what about out there and having tools and resources for people? That's the one thing that I wish were more readily available, the education piece, that it wasn't so dun, 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 dun. Well, I think it's, I, I really, I, I'm a very firm believer in this, that there's all, everything you want is available out there. I think, it, especially in now in America, pretty much everybody knows that there is plenty of, help available for people who need it in you know versus addiction drugs alcohol etc and so on um you know i just i believe that uh you know most people just don't want the help i mean most people want to try to manage and and get by and i i speak for myself and the reason why i feel that way is because you know that's what i try to do for a long time I just tried to manage and get by. I, you know, I didn't want to quit drinking. <clears throat> I just wanted to quit getting in, in trouble when I drank all the time. And uh, I fought that fight for a, a long time and I could never figure out <clears throat> the way to be able to do what I wanted to do and not have <clears throat> a, a constant string of uh, really negative consequences. Um, and I can guarantee you if I had figured out a way to do it, I'd still be out there right now you know but I couldn't and I believe the reason why I couldn't is because there is no way to do it you know it's called a reality check and I was one of the lucky ones I believe that got the reality check that <clears throat> for me there's no way to be able to engage in any of my uh, addictions without having you know without it getting worse and worse and worse and worse and worse so it turned out that uh the only answer for me was abstinence, which was the one thing I never thought about. <clears throat> and it's worked fine for 20 years now. I have not gotten in any trouble because I was out being loaded, you know. And, uh, the, you know, the thing about abstinence was I think it would never occur to me because <clears throat> I was so, uh, I just had so much, uh, like, 
I just had such a fear that my life would be the most boring, horrible, awful life on the planet if I couldn't have a drink every now and then. You know. Now, bear in mind, people who are listening, I was not the kind of person who had a drink every now and then. I was the kind of person who had a drink every now, all the time, um, constantly. And, uh, you know, I just couldn't envision a life without drinking. Um, I couldn't envision how I could go, for instance, to a fraternity party when I'm 50 for my 20-year-old kid and not be drinking. Like, how would I fit in? How would I have a good time? I mean, I'm, now I am 50 and they're 20. I'm like, you know, who, why do I care if I fit in or not? I'm not even, I'm, I'm a generation older than them. I'm always going to be, you know, <laughs> I'm the old guy that shows up. And uh, I don't want to fit in anymore. You know, I want to fit in with me. I'm comfortable with me. I'm happy with me. Um, I have a great life. And I just, I don't have all these fears and insecurities anymore that it seemed like alcohol was uh, my answer to, to all that stuff. And uh, I had to get sober. <clears throat> and I had to be sober for a while and be really, really, really uncomfortable. And get through the other side, which I did. So to answer your question, you know, would you want to send somebody with a 90 days or whatever of sobriety to a party like that? <clears throat> well, I wouldn't send anybody to a party ever, but I know for myself, when I had 90 days of sobriety or thereabouts, I went to a party like that. Um, and uh, it was, uh, I was really, really, really uncomfortable. I had no business being there at all. And it was a wild crazy party. The difference is this one was indoors, so it was even more crowded and more close. And uh, it was at a friend's house and there was probably 200 people there and the same thing, it was kegs and kegs and kegs of beer and it was uh, very raucous and totally out of hand. And I think I walked from one end of the party to the other and back again and I couldn't wait to leave and, and I left. Um, and now with almost 20 years of sobriety, would I, would I, uh, go to a party like that if I have a reason to I went to this party because I was picking up two kids but I, I couldn't imagine for me personally JF anything more tedious than like oh I'm gonna go hang out at this party all afternoon with all these people that are getting wasted and uh, why would I do that it's you know it's not what I do it's not fun first of all I'm not 20 years old you know I'm in my 50s I have just no desire to do that. There's so many better things I can do with my time. So, you know, your uh, your feelings about me that I'm uncomfortable in, in being around drinking is not true at all. Um, you know, I can be, I can go to any bar in town. I can go to any restaurant in town. I can go to any party that I'm going to go to and be perfectly comfortable. I just, for me, I find it very tedious to be around people who are extremely ine inebriated um, you know, when I'm not, it's just not fun. Well, I don't think anybody really truly has fun being around somebody who's truly inebriated. Wouldn't you agree? I can only answer for myself. You know, when I hear the same story for the seventh time, um, I've had enough. Yeah. And I think that I wanted to bring something up that you talked, there were a couple of things, you points that you made that I want to, um, expand on maybe for one second, which are one being that you said you have to be comfortable in your own skin. And in your first 90 days, you were uncomfortable being in those parties. And I remember being that way too. 
So I think that that key, the key that you mentioned right there, the tool that if anything that you're going to, at least people should, would want to um, gain the one tool or is the ability to like yourself. How do you do that? How do you like yourself enough so that you can go into any situation and feel okay? I think it's a little more than that. I think the biggest part of it, especially in the beginning, is, you know, is FOMO. Do you remember what that is, Elizabeth? I do. Fear of missing out. That's right. Like, oh, my God, I'm going to miss out on all this stuff if I'm not drinking and partying. And uh, it turned out for me, in in my story anyway, I didn't miss out on anything. You know, the only thing I missed out on, as I told you, told you earlier, were these, you know, dreadful uh, consequences that kept happening. And uh, in fact, um, when I was able to to uh, abstain for a while, I found a lot of other interests and a lot of other things to do. And uh, my days got very busy very quickly, in which they still are. So it was in that early stage, it was really, it was fear of missing out. My whole identity was, I'm, I'm the life of the party. I'm the guy that puts the lampshade on. I'm the guy that does the Pee Wee Herman dance on the bar, you know. And I always forgot that uh, I'm, I'm the guy that ends up, you know, in trouble at three o'clock in the morning, because that's really who I was. I was that guy. You know, I was the guy that was, it was a long, it was always, <clears throat> a long and arduous journey for me to get home from wherever I was constantly in trouble. So I didn't miss out on anything. And, uh, you know, for me now I'm, I'm, uh, I'm an adult. Uh, I understand that. Um, I have no desire to be a 20 year old again. I, uh, I've already done that. I'm a mature man and, uh, and I'm very comfortable in that. And I do things that mature men do, you know, Am I going to jump out of an airplane? Maybe, you know. But am I going to go to a keg party all afternoon in a mud pit in the backyard of a uh, ramshackle uh, house outside of a college campus? Absolutely not. I've outgrown that completely. So the bottom line here is what are your tools to make you feel like you like you? What are you going to do to make yourself like yourself? And fear of missing out is a huge one to identify with. So if you're scared you're going to miss something... I don't know. Stay busy. Realize that um, where you are is the important place to be, which is right here and right now. Well, I'm just going to add something is that if you are listening to this and you feel like you have a problem with drugs or alcohol and you're working on that, um, it's not easy. For me, it was very difficult. You know, the first year or two was very, very difficult. But I can tell you if you can stick with it um, and just get through the discomfort, um, when you get to the other side of it, when you get to the other side of the discomfort, you're going to be feeling better about yourself than you ever have in your entire life. Not because you put down the drugs or the alcohol, uh, but just because you are finally aware of who you really are. Now, my wife here likes to say that uh, when she was drinking, her favorite color was green. And now that she's not drinking anymore it turns out that her real favorite color is orange and I can relate to that a lot of the things that were all part of my identity that I thought I was was really all about me when I was drinking turns out I don't really like that much and I don't really do that anymore and I got to try a lot of things that I always thought I might try someday and never got around to because I was always 
big surprise, too drunk to be able to do it. And uh, I learned about myself. I became comfortable with myself. And I'm, I'm just, I'm a very, very, very satisfied, mostly comfortable person now. So I'm going to tell you, just stick with it. Get through it. Do whatever you have to do. It's going to get better, I guarantee you. There you go. And then you can show up for your kids any place, anytime, anywhere, and be okay and be you. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Keep getting busy living sober. Bye. Thanks, Jeff.